everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. Here we are, Exodus chapter 34. This is one that I, I really like, kind of almost because there's just a lot of questions with how to make sense of this. Uh, this is one where if you look in the commentaries, they'll say, Oh, is this a different Ten Commandments here? Uh, God gives the Ten Commandments, but what you have written here is kind of something else. Um, you shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened. Uh, we've got stuff about different festivals during the year. Is that what's going on, or is there some misunderstanding? Uh, there's some interesting things going on, and of course then you have the shining face of Moses there in verse 29. What is that all about? It's mentioned in the New Testament even. Uh, why would why would he put a veil on? What was the significance with that? So there's just a lot of interesting questions and probably not nearly enough time to address them all. But but we will we will deal with the ones first of all that we have anyone who calls in live to to address. Um, but then otherwise it's just gonna be kind of whatever me and my guest here think is sort of most interesting. And so joining us today we've got Pastor Chris Bernacki pastor at Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Florence, Alabama. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back again. And yeah, I know we were chatting a little bit beforehand. Like, there's there's no way we're going to talk about everything, but maybe we can have a good conversation about a few of these things. Yeah, thank you very much, AJ. Yeah, and right. It seems as though when I'm on your show that I, I, I end up getting some of the longest chapters <laughs> and ones that draw upon all kinds of other chapters. But nonetheless, uh, you know, yeah. I'll do my best. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it is really one of the, uh, I, I mean, I almost feel bad saying it, one of the more interesting chapters. I mean, like, it, it's real. all that is to say is not that it's really any more imp or, or less important than any other chapter, but it's just, these are the sorts of kinds of puzzling things I think are interesting. And, and kind of, we kind of talked about this with our guest yesterday, Pastor Kevin Martin, that you know, these are ones where you're trying to like kind of picture it and track with it, and you really kind of have to pause and say, "No, hang on a second. What exactly is going on?" Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll go ahead and jump into this thing uh, without without uh, giving us uh, any shortage of time here. But as we get started, would you go ahead and open this up with a prayer? Sure, definitely. Well, let us pray, Heavenly Father. Your word can penetrate our hearts. You've used it to bring people to faith, to confession, to repentance, to assurance, to instill us with hope, to help us to grow. And we pray that you would use your word today because some of us are in difficult circumstances, whether it be spiritually or relationally or financially. Wherever we are in the basements of our sin and the closets of our doubts, we come before you. To hear your word, we pray that you would use it to encourage us, to help us to grow in the knowledge of you, but also of your character. So in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. So, um, okay, so Exodus 34, this is maybe one where there's a couple items from the context that we ought to have in mind uh, when it comes to these new stone tablets. Before we go ahead and read the thing um, straight through, 
what do you think in particular we ought to be keeping in mind from the context? And then is there anything that uh, we, we kind of need to make, make sure we don't stumble over as, as we read it? Well, so I, we're going to see a lot of themes that, that you have already seen and talked about before. And so, yeah. for, for instance, I mean, just the central theme of the book is like God's presence and our deliverance. But, but then more than that, like you're going to see the themes recalling chapter 3 and 4, where you have the burning bush, but also the giving of God's very name. Uh, chapter right. 20, we had like the Ten Commandments, you know, or the Ten Words, specifically. Yeah. Um, chapter 24, you had the covenant that was confirmed. Um, in chapter 31, Moses was given the two tablets. So this is the new two tablets, but that's when he, he was given it. Chapter 32, he breaks the, 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 the two tablets. Um, Aaron really messes up. He builds a golden calf. Moses right. gets angry, breaks the covenant. Um, and then in la, la, you know, yesterday's discussion would have been about Moses uh, talking with God, interceding with God. And then, and then here's God's response. So, I mean, yeah, this, this chapter brings together just about everything you've seen so far. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it does tie, tie a lot of things together, um, which, which is, you know, kind of like what we were saying, like one of, the, one of the reasons why it'd be hard to kind of do everything justice here, but we'll, we'll, do, we'll do what we can. But um, we'll, we'll go ahead and just start by reading it. So here it is, Exodus chapter 34 here from the top. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, but forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. And he said, Behold, I am making a covenant. Before all your people I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. 
you shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their asherim, for you shall worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you're invited, you eat of his sacrifice, and you take of their daughters for your sons, and their daughters whore after their gods, and make your sons whore after their gods. You shall not make for yourself any gods of cast metal. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Abib, for in the month of Abib you came out of Egypt. All that open the womb are mine. All your male livestock, the firstborn of cow and sheep, the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. All the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. You shall observe the feast of weeks, the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. For I will cast out nations before you and enlarge your borders. No one shall covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything unleavened, or let the sacrifice of the feast of Passover remain until the morning. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he'd commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. So... Yeah, there, there's um, there really is just a lot of things going on, and then like I was saying, like for for me, just you know, a lot of these things that, uh, what when you're when you're reading it, you're just sort of like, now hang on a second, um, you know, am, am I am I putting the pieces of the, of, the, of the puzzle together the right way? Uh, I, I mean, you, you see that, um, just I mean, it's interesting, just even like what you have down as the commands, right? And you kind of just ask yourself, you know, why is it even? that in, in the middle of this chapter, which seems to be, like you were saying, kind of this really big focus on the name of God, that you kind of get this, I don't know, this rather kind of specific targeted stuff about these feasts, right? I mean, it, it just, I, I think maybe that in, in some ways is kind of the puzzle in, in the middle of the chapter 
like why why this sort of emphasis here at this point you know i mean it, it doesn't seem like it's an afterthought like i was like oh well you know what it's good that you're up here because you know the first time you were up here i, I forgot to mention right passover and the feast of ingathering that doesn't really seem like it makes sense you know so it is sort of just like you know why why these specific things um in, in this place right here so that's kind of the thing that's jumping out at me right now but i don't know if you want to speak to that or just if there's anything kind of jumping out at you as we look at it here again well the way that i see this section as he starts to list some of some of the his you know some commands they've all come up before so most yeah. of them are not new you know the feast of unleavened unleavened bread and stuff that comes up in chapter 23 yeah. i do think though that the the content is similar to what we've seen before even though it's not say word for word the decalogue from chapter 20 but I, what right. i think is going on is that the context has changed you know they the, after knowing what happened in chapter 32, God mm -hmm. God is giving all this material um, because that's all pertaining to, in a sense, their, their recent apostasy. And so I kind of read it in conjunction with the material that we've we've already seen, in a sense. But it's like this: these are the concerns um, that have happened since chapter 32, and here's what I have to say, uh, in in a sense, to help with that. Yeah, you know, and that's I, I think that really is the the best way to to think about it. You, you have, like you said, this is very similar here in the middle um, to what you had in Exodus chapter twenty three. Um, they're in chapter twenty three. I, I mean, it, it's it's really really similar. Um, in in twenty three, it's like at verse ten, right? You get a description of the Sabbath. Um, and then in, in verse 14, you get unleavened bread, feast of harvest, feast of ingathering, um, the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened, first fruits. And then you get that phrase again, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And we, and we talked a little bit about that back in chapter 23, what that might possibly mean, that it might not just be kind of like a random food law at the at the end of the sequence but that you know per, perhaps it's an idiom or something like that but um it is sort of then interesting then to ask okay you know so why why is this the stuff that's so pertinent right here right like you know why why is it that after the apostasy of the the golden calf and and all this why why is it that you know for instance like the feast of harvest and the feast of ingathering would be so important right now, right? Like, I mean, I, to me, right, I'm thinking, well, maybe we want to emphasize the stuff about uh, graven images. <laughs> hey, guys, let's let's review what I said about that. You know, uh, you know, let, let's not do that. And oh, yeah, the thing about altars, right? Um, uh, you know, so so it's just sort of interesting because you have like a little bit of those things, but I, I don't know what do you, what do you make of how those things kind of relate to what's happened. Well, so, I mean, I guess it, on like a like like a personal note, like something like, you know, Bonhoeffer, when talking about faith in difficult times, sort of said, look, if you begin your day in prayer, and then in the middle of the day you pray again, and at the end of the day you 
you, you end your day in prayer, you can keep the faith until tomorrow. Uh, I, I wonder if what he's suggesting here is like, guys, if you stick with the plan, right, you know, you, you come to the altar three times a year, and you do, and you do these, 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 these like community feast days, um, and you honor the Sabbath and stuff like that, this is going to help you. Because, like, initially, you know, the, the covenants given, you know, you know what they respond? They, they say, we can do this. And, yeah. and I think post-chapter 20, I mean, 32, they're realizing that this wasn't as easy as we thought it would be. And, and, and honestly, these things are given to help them, not, not, not to, like, not to hurt them. And yeah. so, so, I mean, he's reminding of these things that, that will sort of periodically help them, re, like, return, return to him. Right. Well, that's, I mean, I think that, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And we talked about that actually a little bit um, with these festivals and things that, you know, like right now they, they have the benefit of kind of directly seeing the signs of God's presence, right? They could see the smoke of the morning and evening sacrifices. They could see the cloud that would descend upon the tent of meeting. You know, they, they kind of knew this, this presence of God in a little bit more of an immediate way. Um, and, and so I, I, I can see that, that, you know, the, these, these festivals kind of reconnect them, um, in a way to, uh, to, to God. I think though, that maybe the thing that we, we overlook, or at least I feel like the thing that maybe I overlook with the golden calf is that we kind of just think of it so much as the golden calf, right? And it's like, they built an idol, uh, that we, we kind of forget the rest of what happened there, right? Because, you know, what, what is, uh, you know, what does Aaron actually say there back in chapter 32? Uh, you know, he says it, let me, let me pull this up here. It was back in, um, there it is. Yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting because as much as we focus on this golden calf, uh, like the, the idol itself, I'm not even sure that, you know, that the focus is always there in chapter 32, kind of looking back on it. So, so here it was, it was back in 32 verse five, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Um, and, and so kind of from there, you know, interesting, uh, when, when, I mean, this is, uh, this is just interesting. Like then when God talks about it, right. And says, Hey, look what, what they've done. Um, you know, he kind of like, yeah, he mentions the golden calf, but it's like, they've corrupted their, their worship and they've, uh, they're, they're worshiping in this particular way. Um, and, and then like when, when he's even confronted, right, he goes down the mountain, um, and then Joshua and he are like kind of scoping things out. It's like, there's this noise of, uh, war, you know, and it's like, oh no, it's uh, what? What is that? It's not. It's not. Sh-. So it's like the focus is sort of on actually the worship activity. I feel like this feast, and so I wonder if it's like the emphasis here is on the feasts because it's like, hey, that feast that you decided to do, that kind of feast to Yahweh, uh, that which you know probably involved a good deal of sexual immorality. Um, he's sort of saying, like, guys here's the three feasts. That's what we're going to do. Don't try to add any other ones. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's well said. And 
So, and it, yeah, this is relating to to religious purity. I mean, there's like commentators who who will even call it like the religious decalogue, you know, or the cultic yeah. decalogue, and 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 that that's I guess you know in a sense that that's what they're getting at. But it's like it's related to religious purity, and the priority is dedication, you know, to God, to Yahweh, that no covenant is to be made with anybody else. And so, I mean, that's what you see in the, this this begin, you know, the the middle section, which I guess would lead you to say, well, who who's the God? And that's that's what we have, you know, in in the beginning half. Yeah, well, and, and I think we want to talk more about uh, that that phrase you just you put out there, you know, cultic decalogue. Um, but we'll we'll get there in in just a second. Let's uh, let, let's first go ahead, just kind of go back here and just kind of start with the nuts and bolts. So, you know, chapter thirty four. It starts off with, you know, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, you know, and I will write on the tablets uh, the words that were on the first tablets. All right, so th this is kind of like already the first thing that's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, so th I guess the first thing, right, and, and I, I don't know if we—we we talked about it a little bit um, back in Chapter 32, but there was the action of Moses breaking the tablets, and— yeah, you almost kind of wonder what kind of tone here God's saying this with. You know, is it like, you know, I'll write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets in which you broke, you know. Um, I, mean, I mean, so is it like, is it a problem that, that Moses, like, broke those tablets? You know, it's kind of like one of the things. We talked about that a little bit, but I want to get your take. And then, um, and then I guess the other side of it, too, is it's very clear here that Moses is supposed to be writing down the same words, right? Um which is just kind of interesting then given what we what we see in this chapter. Well, so, I mean, I suppose one might be, I guess, quick to say that God would be very upset, and it's like he's reprimanding Moses. However, I mean, the interesting thing is, is like how he responds to this situation, which is here, and, yeah. and even the way he talked to Moses in 32. I mean, you use the word banter. Um, yeah and how it was like very friendly in nature. And so then I would I would be hesitant to say that God is like fuming here. Um Yeah. Because it's like how does he respond and and he responds by saying like I'm slow to I'm merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Yeah. So so then it it seems as though I mean he he's he's responding with 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 forgiveness. And it's like we're going to move move on from here. You know, ra rather than just say, you know what, you know, you you are in the basement of your sin, and um, and you're going to stay there now, and and, yeah. and I'm not going to bring you up out of it. You know, I, that's not what happens. I mean, but of course, he does say you smashed it, though. You know, it's like you you did this, but but we can move beyond this. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't I don't think there's there's accusation here. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, the, the which you broke there. When you look at it in the Hebrew, there is no you, right? Like it, it's, it's, just the, it's just the kind of plain verb form here, um, which is typical for when you're not actually emphasizing um, the pronoun there. So there, there is no uh, suggestion, I think, of like, you know, this kind of like, like snide remark or something like that. And I think you're right, the whole chapter, right? consistent with what he says later uh, about just you know, being gracious and merciful and the rest 
this is this is God. He's he's kind of, you know he's had his anger burn, but he's he's calmed down. He's cooled off, and yeah, I, I think this is just kind of a, a statement of fact of like, you know, yeah, you broke him, and in some ways, you know, like we talked about, um, you know, in chapter thirty-two, maybe maybe he rightly broke them. Maybe the right thing to do was to break them to show Israel what they had done because uh, they effectively had broken them. And, and so the point here is just like it's okay. I'm going to I'm going to get you guys a new batch. Uh we'll have to talk about what exactly really is going on these things though after we get back from our break everybody hang on. We're looking at Exodus 34 here today on Thy Strong Word and we'll be right back. Soldiers, athletes, and musicians know that physical training develops reflexes to respond in the moment without having to think about it. What about spiritual training? Dr. Michael Ziegler tells how God gives his people the reflex to reflect his mercy for the world. Reflexive mercy, this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa, looking at Exodus chapter 34 today. A lot of stuff to go over. Um, We're going to have to kind of move fast here in the second half hour. But if you do have a question, go ahead and shoot us a question. KFUO at KFUO.org is the email address. Or you can send us, uh, you can call us, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Or you can, uh, well, actually, yeah, Facebook's kind of not behaving itself. So uh, we'll we'll just exclude that option for right now. Joining us today, we have as our guest, Pastor Chris Bernanke at Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Florence, Alabama. So yeah, we're going to try to get through these things. Uh, We're just talking about a question before the break about, uh, well, in particular, I think right, right before the break, we were talking about this. Uh, this breaking of the tablets and then what goes on them. Before I forget, though, I want to make sure to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word, their website, lhfmissions.org. So 
Yeah, yeah. So let's let's get to that then. So we don't think it's necessarily actually a bad thing um, that even though Moses, you know, we looked at it in the first several chapters, you could say that maybe he has a uh, an anger issue. I don't know. I, I think I think at some point we had somebody suggest that because you know he does just go and kill a man, right? And then later he's going to go and you know you know whack this rock. I, I don't know if it's actually that he has like an anger issue, right? Like he's the guy who should get sent to anger management if it, or if it's just kind of like, if you had been there, you would have done the same uh, kind of in the words of Chicago. Right. Uh, so, you know, I don't think we necessarily need to read into it all, all that emotion and say, Oh, he, he lost his temper and broke it. Like he, he broke it because they had already broken the actual covenant. So now God's going to write, the covenant and and it's important that he's actually making them the same deal and I, and I feel like that's that's actually kind of why you get all this repetition here um and all the you know the mention of like you know every single one of these like you know bad guys later right the amorites the canaanites hittites parasites hivites jebusites it's like guys just because you messed up i'm not gonna like give you half as much land um i'm not gonna you know like oh, okay well you're gonna have to take the jebusites on your own now Right. Like, no, he's he's affirming that he's going to give them everything that he was going to give them, which I, I think is in many ways kind of kind of like the big deal, the big thrust of this of this chapter. Um, so, yeah. So what do you think about that? How he's saying, like, you know, I'll write the same tablets or write the same words on these tablets, um, like kind of as, as a big idea. But then and then the, the second one would be, you know, OK, but if he's writing the same words, then it's just kind of interesting that things seem a little bit different still too. Yeah. Um, like, well, so, I mean, when you view it all, like, like for instance, I mean, the first thing he says is cut for yourself two tablets of stone, like the first, and I will write on the tablets, the words that were on the first tablets, which you yeah. broke in, in 27 and 28, he says, write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. For uh, So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread or, or drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that the, the idea is, I, I mean, first of all, I think most people then suggest because of you know, and he wrote, and then you ask, well, who's writing the tablets and what are they writing? Well, he says he writes the Ten Commandments, I think referring to what was said already in the, in, in chapter 20. Yeah. And the he, people, you know, take it as God, not Moses. Moses wrote, Moses wrote these laws of chapter 32, but, but I think, but the tablets are, are from God. He's, he's giving you again, like in chapter 31, it said, he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. And so, I mean, I, I think in this text, too, where it can be kind of confusing of who writes what, he, he's, that, that God is giving him the, the, the same Ten Commandments as he had given in 31. Yeah, I think I think we do need to kind of like skip ahead to like you were saying verses twenty seven and twenty eight to kind of to make sense of this, and I, and I think in the end actually yeah we we can say that it is the same ten commandments 
but we just we, we just kind of kind of got get our our heads wrapped around i think these these two verses um you know because he says write these words in, in verse 27 you know and as and as you said um you know it is it is the 10 words in hebrew right and so one way of reading this that, that kind of I think gets to a little bit of the uh, you know cultic decalogue right as, as uh, some commentators want to read this that what they want to say is okay uh, here, here here's basically kind of paraphrasing verses 27 and 28 so God said to Moses so uh, write all this down uh, because you know th- these are the terms of the covenant that I'm making here so uh, you know when, when it was all said and done uh, you know, Moses had been up there for 40 days and 40 nights, and he didn't eat or drink water, and, you know, he had written down the words of the Ten Commandments. So I, th- I think that that's kind of like how they want to take it as, like, God's telling Moses to write this stuff down, and it- it's kind of like a different Ten Commandments, um, and then you kind of get this summary uh, picture and so it's just kind of a, a contradiction on two levels, right? That you, you, you look at the actual words and it's like, well, hang on a second. I recognize, uh, you know, you shall, uh, you know, uh, you know, what was it? Um, in verse 21, there it is. Six days you shall work, right? Okay, we recognize that, but the other ones are different. So I, I think that that's kind of like one way that people want to take this and they, they'll say like, oh, look, different Ten Commandments. Um, but like you were saying, I, I think that's that's not that's not actually even the right way to read this just looking at the Hebrew because I, I agree with you that when when God says in verse 27, uh, you know so write write down these words, you know I, I think what he's saying there with these words is write down the stuff that I just said, you know, which is the affirmation that the covenant is still good right like it's it's um it you think about like the constitution of the united states right um that there's a a preamble right and that and that preamble is something that you know we we learn in grade school and there's the there's that song and stuff right and it's like you know it's no replacement for the actual like you know uh you know bill of rights and like the 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 actual amendments that that are going to be on there but it kind of like gives you the sense of what everything's going to be about and like the purpose of it. So I think, I think God's telling him, Hey, look, write, write all this stuff down, this, this kind of preamble of sorts. Um, and then in verse 28, it says, and then he, Moses stayed up there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. By the way, he didn't eat bread or drink water for uh, the reform changes there. And then I think actually it's uh, the right move in Hebrew uh, reading the Hebrew that the next thing is, and he wrote, would, be, would actually refer to the Lord because uh, that was the last uh, person that was mentioned um, with with a, with a noun um, back in verse twenty eight. Like uh, uh, Moses is not there as the name. The last noun that's mentioned is actually the Lord. So he he stayed there with the Lord. Um, you know when it says he neither ate bread or, uh, nor drink water, he's not there in the Hebrew. So I, I think it's the right way to understand it. So Moses writes down the preamble, and then forty days later. God writes down the Ten Commandments, the same Ten Commandments. So, I mean, I think I think what you're saying is actually just the right way to read the original. Yeah, so I mean, I didn't I didn't notice that. So, I mean, that that that's well said from the Hebrew, but but yeah, that, I mean that that's what I saw in most in, in most 
you know, the commentaries. I'm, I mean, it's an interesting thing, and, and, and I don't know what was governing it, but it does say, like, in the footnote of, of the uh, Lutheran Study Bible, tablets of stone, so 34 verse 1, I will write, Moses wrote on the tablets, but it was God who inspired the words, guiding Moses, oh, and guarantees the content and accuracy of his word. So that, that's what it says. And I'm not in, you know, I guess I'm not, like, in places to argue with them, per se. But at the same point, I, I don't really know what, what they're trying to say, because it, it, as far as I'm concerned, I, I, I think that God writes the Ten Commandments. Moses seems to be writing what God just said. Yeah, I, I think that is the right way to take it. I mean, um, and I suppose there's like the other side of it, too. Um, I don't think there's actually anything in the text that would necessarily justify the assumption that Moses wrote down the preamble on stone, you know? I mean, stone was yeah. not exactly the easiest thing to write on, um, and, and, they, and they wouldn't necessarily had a lot of it, but he— could have had you know some some um, vellum um you know animal skins uh papyrus i don't i don't know but i mean he, he could have had other writing materials so he could have written down uh the, like this preamble of sorts this uh this reaffirmation right uh you know with with this stuff about the the feasts and um you know the the, the sabbath right the stuff that's about worship which as you said makes sense because hey we just had this wor like worship disaster and so we're going to have this reaffirmation and this like summary of hey guys this is how you worship me don't don't try that again you know um and, and so he writes that down perhaps perhaps on an animal skin or something like that but then after 40 days and 40 nights god writes down the 10 commandments and and i, I don't think i i don't know i i just don't know how really you can justify like, like saying it otherwise, because like, God does actually say himself, like, I will write this down. And in chapter 31 at the end, it says, the two tablets of the testimony, the tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. And it's just kind of like the way that the text talks about the Ten Commandments. Like, the, there's kind of a lot of emphasis on the fact that they don't carve them. God does. And in some ways, we talked about this before, if Moses carved them, it might even be borderline idolatrous, right? Because like he he's you know, almost fashioning, taking a, a carving tool to a surface, right? So I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think what you're saying is the is the way that actually just kind of makes everything add up. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and that that's certainly what I what I've gotten as I've taken a look at this text. Um, and so, so I mean, yeah, that's that's, and and I think that that there's a there's strong support from the Hebrew, as you were saying, that that you take it that way. So, I mean, that's sort of the hill I'm on at this point. So let, let's talk about one of the implications here, because this is a question that came in. So, uh, so what's with the forty days then? Okay, and I, and I think actually what we just offered it, is what makes sense of it. So the idea is right. There's a 40-day period between Moses just kind of writing down this kind of uh, emphatic summary or reaffirmation about how to do worship, right? And then he waits 40 days and 40 nights, and it says he neither ate bread or drank water, and, like, we, we should not skip over that. That's significant. Uh, one thing that we should recall to mind, right, of course, is our Lord's um, fasting in the wilderness, right? I mean, that's 
that's I think the thing that maybe our mind should go to first. Um, you know, and so and so what what's up with that? What why is there this forty day period of starving himself? Well, in, in scriptures, a lot of these periods of fasting, yet you have them right like what as uh, periods for like repentance, uh, and, and kind of like along with that repent uh, not just repentance but but preparation, right? And so I think that's kind of what's going on here, that in some ways Moses is kind of having this 40-day fast almost as like a repentance on behalf of the people. Like you think of like Daniel and his prayer when he was praying on behalf of the people um, who had got them into exile. Of course, he wasn't alive at the time, but there he is offering that intercessory prayer, preparing himself, because it's only after this 40-day period that he's ready to receive the Ten Commandments from the finger of God. Right. And, and I, so I think that's actually the distinction that shows us that um, and, and just kind of highlights how, yeah, uh, Moses here again, acting as um, intercessor. And I think that kind of highlights, too, like what the purpose is and what's going on with our Lord Jesus when he's fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. And, yeah, and I mean, you know, maybe it's a little bit of foreshadowing too, the 40 years in the wilderness. Well, yeah. Um, and so, so I mean, yeah, I'd suggest there's a lot going on. I mean, yeah, God redeems them, God forgives them. They still now have 40 years in the wilderness. You know, he doesn't pull them completely out of it. Even this God who's merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, right? Like, he doesn't, he didn't promise to remove all those trials that are yet to come. But he's going to yeah. be with them. It's one of those things that you can say, like, you, you said something great back in in your discussion in chapter 3 when you when you translated the name of God as I will be I will be you yeah. know um if they can hold that in their mind while they're going through all of this that that God will be with me i mean he gives them a promise even in his very name well no that, that that's right well and and we should you know it's it's interesting because I, I don't think we really talked about this very much um, in the previous chapter, in chapter 33, but, I mean, it is just fascinating how, you know, in that, that name, that name of promise of, you know, you know I'm going to be there, I'm going to show up, you know, I'm going to appear um, when you call on me, when you need me, right? That, that kind of like the, the meaning of, of that verb form. That, that's sort of like everything that's been going on, Um in, in these last two chapters, right? Like, but if you go back to chapter 33, um, I mean, he doesn't actually use the word there, but, you know, when he's, when Moses is beginning that intercession, right, it's in uh, verse 14, you know, God's like, well, my presence will go with you, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll be there. I'll take care of you guys. Um, you know, and, and it was uh, after, after that, what is it? Like, uh, yeah, Moses is asking to have God show him, to appear, right? Um, and he says, you know, well, I will make all my goodness pass before you and uh, and proclaim before you my name, the Lord, right? Um, and, and he says, like, and, but also I will cover you with my hand to protect him. Um, and, and so I feel like this kind of, like, keeps going on and on, right? Like you're saying that, you know, God's saying, like, I'm going to do all this stuff, and that kind of gets... Uh, you know, to the point we were just looking at in verses 11 and, and onward there, I will drive out before you all these guys. So, you know, God just keeps kind of affirming his nature that, you know, you guys, you guys are going to stumble. Uh, you guys, 
have stumbled already. Uh, you guys aren't always going to get it right. Uh, you guys are going to stray and, and uh, go with other gods. But I, I won't. I will do this stuff. I will be faithful and I will be there for you even when you're failing to call on my name. Yeah, yeah, right. And even though, like, I mean, the name ought to be enough, like, I will be. Uh, I mean, it goes on to, like, explain it or express it in different ways, like a God who is compassionate. Um, Even that word, it's rakum, you know, and and it's related to a word, rakum, which which literally means a mother's womb. I mean, what's being said there? Because, like, the consonants are the same. So so when they hear this, they're, they're... they they can hear that that same word, right? And yeah. it's like he, his compassion is like a mother who who has children in her womb. Uh, I mean that that's a that's a beautiful description of God and how gracious He really is. Slow to anger, right? It's like different different than Moses. Moses is my 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 like chosen leader. He's he's the intercessor, but I mean he, but I'm different than Moses. You know, abounding in steadfast love, that, it's interesting because it's the only one that, that is given an adjective, and it's a participle, abounding, you know, and it's continuing, continuing, never stops. Steadfast love is the word hesed. I, I don't know if you, if you can make the comparison because it's not in, because like the Septuagint doesn't use the word, but I would like say that that's like sort of comparative to like, agape or something you know it's Hmm. it's unconditional love um that's not the word used there in greek but but hesed is is like the love that david appeals to when he sinned and he appeals to god's steadfast love it's the word that shows up in hosea Um, so it's like it's like a relational love and even though his hosea's wife was a prostitute he keeps calling her back in hesed and these are words that are used for God. Wickedness, rebelliousness, sin. And it's like there's three words in Hebrew that, that, are, that, that describe sin. And, and God uses all of them there. Forgiving the iniquity and transgressions and sin. Every single one of them. It's like, categorically, I forgive your sin. You know, it, literally lifting up. You know, if, like to take it to the New Testament, maybe, you could say, yeah. you, you could say, like, where did he... If he takes it up, he's got to put it somewhere. So where does he put it? Right? He, 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 he put it on Jesus when he lifts him up on the cross. And so, I mean, it's just, it really is one of the most beautiful passages in all the Old Testament, I'd say, for those reasons. Yeah, it really, uh, I appreciate that. That's a really good way of unpacking that, that, you know, he, he really is just saying, you know, okay, so, you know, in case that it's not clear, like, what I mean when I say I'll be there, you know, or I will show up, right? Like, I, I'm going to, I will, I will appear when, when you, when you call on me. You know, he, he just spells it out, and, um, and, and you're right, I mean, like, all, all the words that follow are, I, I think, in some ways, kind of like these different synonyms for that idea, right? Because, uh, well, I mean, just, you know, I mean, like you were saying, like, you know, merciful or, or gracious. I mean, th- those are those are words that say, um, well, I mean, like there, there's this old saying, right, that like, uh, you know, mercy is uh, giving someone something that they don't deserve, right? Um, or 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 perhaps even uh, the other way around that 
you know, maybe, maybe that's kind of a better way of phrasing what, what it means to be gracious. And then merciful is uh, not giving someone what they deserve. <laughs> um, and, and that, that idea of, yeah, you know what, I'll, I'll, even though you don't deserve it, I'll show up, right. And take care of you guys. Right. Like, like, like that, that idea. And, um, and I'm not sure I had noticed that before that, like you were saying that with, uh, the, the slow to anger and abounding and steadfast love that, that the, that, that the, you have the, the abounding that's kind of like particularly on that one point. It does seem to kind of point to those words then in a bigger way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like, I mean, later on, then you get like his statement of his statements of purpose. Yeah. Um, and like the nature of the covenant and, and what all of this is supposed to do. And it, you know, that, like verse 10, before all your people, I will do marvels. Like that's the purpose of all of this. Such as not have been created in all the earth or in any nation. That's a bold statement because he's already parted the Red Sea and he's already part, taken the slave people out of Egypt. So that's a bold statement. What more will we see? And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. So that's another statement uh, of like purpose there. And then for it is an awesome thing. Uh, it's like, that's a, that's an interesting word. Cause it kind of means awesome. It kind of means terrible. Um, it, it, but it, the point is astonishing. It's kind of like the fear of the Lord. You should fear and love God and trust God above right. all things. Right. And the word fear is like on inspiring reverence. Yeah. Um, but these are all his statement of purpose. And so like, this is what God intends to do. And, and he's going to do it by coming down, descending on his people, forgiving them of their sins. Uh, and that's, that's the central theme of the book. You know, ultimately the book ends in chapter like 40, where God descends and stays with them. He, he descends into the, into the tabernacle and now he's with them. Now it gets more complicated than that, but it's like, but that's where he finally descends and stays. Yeah, and well, then, of course, then you get into the book of Numbers. Yeah. Well, and and, and I think that the idea that God's, you know, terrifying or, or, you know, kind of awe or reverence-inspiring presence, like, still shows up, right? Um I mean that that really is you know the, the the big thrust here that God that God's still making them the same deal He's still going to be with them and 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 I think kind of going back to what you were saying about the uh, how how you have that participle there um, in front of um, what was it you know I said the the mercy word there like I I wonder if I wonder if this sense is actually not just kind of like that God has a lot of it but that the idea is is uh, he kind of renews it, you know, it kind of reminds me about like when, when, when Peter, uh, goes to the Lord and he's like, you know, Hey, you know, if my brother sins against me, how many times do I got to uh, forgive him? <laughs> you know, like I, I can't just keep, you know, forgiving him, right. Renewing this forgiveness. It's just, you know, but, but then he's like, well, not, not even seven times, but you know, 77 times or, or 490 times, depending on how you take it. But the idea being like, look, I have just used this disaster to prove to you guys that even when you fail, I renew my love. I, I mean, I mean, and that word there, Chesed. I mean, uh, it, it kind of gets interpreted by the next word after it, but it, it means it means faithfulness, right? It means it means steadfast um, adherence to to the agreement. Like I'm going to keep my end of the agreement. 
uh, no matter what. And then if by putting that word there, uh, you know, abounding, it's sort of like, I'm going to keep my end of the agreement even when you don't. And in fact, I'm going to renew my end of the agreement when you break it. So, I mean, it really, it, it really does. I, I think, yeah, it, it kind of uh, summarizes like, or, or explains or unpacks the meaning of the name. And, and I think it even kind of gets maybe a little bit to the, the kind of like the last question I kind of had, which was like, so what, hang on, what's this, this stuff about like the shining face of Moses? And, and I think kind of what's going on here is like God sends Moses down the mountain in this like glorious state to show the people, yeah, look, really, really, I am still talking to Moses. We are still doing this. It's like this emphatic re- restoration that in some ways is brighter because we see it through the lens of forgiveness. It's like what our Lord says, like, you know, uh, you know, he who has been forgiven much loves much. Oh, I th- yeah, I think that's really well said. Um, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, I I really like that. Yeah, that, that, but, you know, just the fact that, yeah, we, we, we truly, we, we understand better God's forgiveness a- after being through what's happened. Yeah. You know, and that, yeah, and they, Boy, I, I love the fact that uh, you know some that the fact that like the glo- the the glory of the Lord. Some have interpreted it as like Moses has horns, and uh-huh. uh, but it's you know just because it's a very rare word. Yeah. But but yeah, this the that when they saw the fact that that Moses had spoke spoken with the Lord, and it's just emanating from him. You know, it's the very manifestation of God. Yeah, well, and he puts the veil over his face when he's done speaking with them, right? Because the point is not that he's drawing attention to himself and he wants people to come visit and, hey, look at the guy with the shining face. But it's just it's just a sign from God, right? He kind of affirms it. It's a sign from God. Yeah, I'm still talking to Moses. I'm, I'm still showing up. I'm forgiving you guys. I mean, that's really what it means. He's showing us what it means to forgive, which is really what it really means to love, that, you know, you show up um, even when— the other one lets you down. So, and that's what we see in Christ. So, thank, thank you, brother. Uh, always a good conversation. We talked a lot of stuff, but I, I think we kind of unpacked some good stuff here today. Everybody, that was Pastor Chris Bernacki at our Redeemer, Florence, Alabama. Moving on to chapter thirty-five. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.